matter what it look like. Doesn't matter what it feel like. As long as Jesus is on the throne, we have been guaranteed the victory. I wish somebody would shout tonight. <laughs> I feel like preaching tonight. I really and truly do. God has been good to this old boy. And I'm telling you here tonight that God's going to speak to you tonight by his grace. I believe he's going to give us a word in season. But let's approach his throne first. Father God, we come to you tonight in need of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Only he can illuminate the word of God. Only he can reveal Jesus. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do so. That you would open our spiritual eyes. Help us by God's grace to see Jesus by way of the word. Enable our ears to hear the voice. Him who was dead but is alive forevermore. We'll be sure, Lord, to give you the praise and the glory for every manifestation of your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Tonight's lesson, something the Lord laid on my heart, we're going to call it the privilege of giving worship to God. The privilege of giving worship to God. How many of y'all know God is awesome? <laughs> How many of y'all know that God deserves all of the praise, all of the glory, all of the time? He has blessed us and privileged us by the blood of his son to have a holy access to him and an opportunity in this dispensation to glorify him through worship and praise. That's part of our inheritance. And by God's grace tonight, I believe he's going to show us the reality of that and the access to that as well as the access to him. John chapter 4, verse 21 is where I want to begin. I'm going to do a little reading tonight. It says here in verse 21, Jesus said unto her, talking about the woman at the well, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when it shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Somebody say, worship the Father. Ye worship not what, you, you worship, you not what, we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now that's a very, very awesome group of scriptures right there. And I want to touch on a couple of points where that's concerned. 
particularly verse 23, it says, The hour cometh and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus says, The hour comes and now is, when true worshipers can worship God in spirit and in truth. At that time, the only person who could worship God in spirit and in truth effectively was Jesus himself. That's why he said, the hour is coming and now is. He understood the relevance of worship. And he understood that he had access to true worship. But he also was saying that there was coming a time when through his death, burial, and resurrection that the New Testament church would be able to worship God the same way that he does. Have the same access to God that he did when he walked the earth for 33 years. Unhindered by sin. And there was now a pathway for the child of, that would be a pathway for the child of God to enter into the true worship that God, the Bible says, desired. Said the Father seeks those to worship Him in this way, in spirit and in truth. Now I want to touch on those two words for a minute, spirit and in truth. In terms of spirit, Jesus is saying this. In the spirit realm, that's what he's talking about. In the spirit realm, God desires his people to worship him. Where truth is concerned, truth to God, or and should be to us also, truth to God is reality. So what Jesus was saying is that the Father seeks those to worship him in the spirit realm, and in the reality of the spirit realm. And in doing so, worship would come alive to them. They would be able to experience the power and the majesty of God Almighty as they enter into that worship. Giving the child of God access to throne room worship, what I call throne room worship. And at that time, throne room worship was only made available to Jesus and those who were in the spirit realm in the throne room. Does that make sense? So, I want us to visit that, to see that worship in operation. And we'll do that as we go to the book of Revelation chapter 4. Let's go there. Revelation chapter 4. And we'll see spirit and reality or truth worship going on in the spirit realm. Revelation 4, verse 4 is where I want to begin. Now, you're going to have to use your sanctified imagination tonight. You're going to have to see uh, what's going on 
in the spirit realm. You can do it because you're filled with the Holy Ghost. They couldn't do it back then. The old covenant because they didn't have access like you and I do. But the Bible says, and round about the throne, God's throne, were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw, the Apostle John says, I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Can you see that? I said, can you see that? You've got to see that. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. And there were seven lamps of a fire burning before the throne, which were the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne, round about the throne, there were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. There are four beasts, can you see that? Full of eyes, the Bible says. In front and behind. Verse 7, and the first beast was like a lion. And the second beast like a calf. And the third beast had a face as, as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes wherein they rest not day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when these beasts, when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders, they fall down before him that sat on the throne, and they worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are created. That's what's going on right now in the spirit realm. On a, on a continual basis, the worship of God is going on. He's never in heaven in his throne room without worship. Every time those spiritual entities see God, they see, see a new element of his glory. And it causes them to want to worship him more and more and more without fail. There's an anointing there, hallelujah, that causes them to express the greatness of God. They've seen things that cause them to want to worship him more and more and more. Jesus said that it's those who are like him, they can see in the spirit realm also. You and I, as we're going to see in the Scripture, have access to spirit and truth reality of that throne room. And the worship that goes on in that throne room 
You and I, as you sit there and as I stand here tonight, we have access to that same type of worship if we'll believe it. If we'll make a decision that that's our portion in Christ. If we'll understand that that's part of our inheritance to worship our God in spirit and in truth. It's the privilege that God has given us as New Testament children of God to worship him this way. Jesus has made a way for us to enter into this type of worship. We don't need to fall short of it because we are carnal in our thinking. But what God wants to do tonight, by his grace, he's going to open up our eyes and open up our minds and give us access to what we already have access to. And we'll begin to experience, and, and I'm going to tell you something about this. This will ignite your prayer life. Yeah, it will. When you begin to see, see the, what's in the spirit realm, it will ignite your prayer life. To come alive because you are understanding that you're not alone in your prayer closet. Hallelujah. You're not even in your, you're, you're in your prayer closet, but you're also there with them. Yeah, you are. The scripture teaches us that. In fact, I'm going to go to the scripture, but I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. Because this is, this is vital information concerning the victory over your giants and your Goliaths and the the things that's coming against you, when you begin to worship God in this way, those things will become smaller and smaller and smaller until they lose power over you in every way, body, soul, and spirit. And this is our portion. So this is what's going on in the spirit realm. God wants us to understand that we we too can join in in that type of spirit worship, that type of worship being God in spirit and in truth. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see this. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy. See, the, the, the only reason that we can experience the things that I'm talking about tonight is because God is merciful. He's chosen to use mercy on our behalf. He's rich in mercy. For his great love, where, the, where he's loved us, even when we were dead in sins, and this is part of what I want you to see, had quickened us or made us alive, been made alive from the dead through the new birth, quickened us together with Christ. That's important. When God saw Jesus raised from the dead, he saw you raised from the dead, and you have access because of that, because of your faith in him, You have access to everything that Jesus has access to. Can you see that? Then it goes on to say, by grace. (laughs) This is how you get it. By grace are you saved. By grace do you receive this great salvation. Some people get tired of saying that, that that word grace, but I don't. Unmerited favor. I don't know. I can't earn this. (laughs) I get it just because God is merciful and God loves me. And I have accepted his son, Jesus Christ. Now, when I do that, 
I have access to all that God has for me as a new creature in Christ Jesus. Then the Bible says in verse 6, And has raised us up together (laughs) and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Now, this is where God really wants us to use our sanctified imaginations. He wants us to see ourselves in that throne room. Because the Bible says, spiritually, we have been raised up and given access to that very throne room in Christ. So while all that worship is going on, while all those angels and living creatures are saying, holy, holy, holy to the Lord God Almighty, you and I can join in with that chorus anytime we want to. That's why I say it's a privilege, man. This is is something that is far beyond the human mind to comprehend. You and I can actually enter in to that throne room. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I see myself there. I don't have to be on the front row. If I'm in the back row, I don't care. Long as I'm in that throne room, long as I'm, I'm, I, God can hear me worshiping him, that's my portion. See what I'm saying? And, and this is the reality of the worship that we have access to now. You and I, you got to see it though. You got to see it. You got to see yourself with that, 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 that access. You got to see yourself worshiping him who is high and lifted up. Even in the old covenant, Isaiah saw God high and lifted up. He saw by God's grace, God's train filling the whole temple. His robe filling the whole temple. He saw it, and it caused him to want to worship God even more. That's the same thing that will happen to you when you get hold of the reality of what we're talking about tonight. Your prayer time, your your time of worship will no longer be drab and tiring, (laughs) but it will come alive because you understand that you are actually there in that throne room. That's why Jesus said, man, told that lady, hey, it's coming an hour. And there are now is. And the true worshipers are going to worship God in spirit and in truth. In other words, Jesus says, I'm already taking advantage of my advantage. Why do you think he was so powerful? Well, somebody said, well, he was the son of God. True, he was the son of God. But he was also the son of man. And he had to pray just like you and I have to pray. Yeah, he did. And he chose to worship. Even though he was deity, he chose to worship his father. Amen. These are things that that, that went on in, in, in his private time with God. And he's giving that lady a glimpse of what would be made available to the child of God, to the New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only problem is we have to take advantage of it. And begin to walk out of carnality. And begin to experience God in the spirit. And this requires what the Bible calls faith. (laughs) You know, how many of y'all know, it always gets back to faith, doesn't it? It always comes back to faith. If you, the Bible says it's impossible to please God 
without faith. I can't worship God without faith. Not properly. But when I'm worshiping him in spirit and in truth, you can best be assured that I'm worshiping him in faith because I'm worshiping him in the reality of the word of God, of what's going on in heaven. And I take that access to him very seriously. And when I do that, it glorifies him. That's what this is all about, by the way. It's about glorifying God. In worship. Now, I want to go to the scriptures and I want to talk about the experience of a Bible character in terms of worshiping God. This Bible character was in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 6 with me. This Bible character did not have the type of access that we, you and I have access to today because Jesus had not yet went to the cross. But I find it very strange that a lot of the Old Covenant or Old Testament saints were more successful in their spiritual endeavors than we are. <laughs> I see that throughout the Bible. I see this different characters touching God and receiving from God. Though they are living under an inferior covenant. And I find it strange. Why is that so? Well, one of the reasons it's so is because they actually believed <laughs> What God said. I mean, they, they didn't argue with God. They didn't uh, refer to their denominational manuals and uh, adhere to their church doctrine, even if their church doctrine did not line up with the word. No, they just simply heard the voice of God and obeyed the voice of God and believed that what God said was true. Because of that, they experienced miraculous things. The person I'm talking about tonight is Noah. Noah. I have never really preached on Noah before, but tonight I'm going to try. Genesis 6 and verse 5. I'm going to do a lot of reading, so y'all stick with me. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. That's hard for us to kind of imagine, man. Everybody in the earth, the whole earth, all their thoughts were evil continuously. Never had a sanctified thought. Never had a good thought. Everything that they thought about was evil. Except for Noah. We're going to see that. The Bible says in verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. The Lord said, 
I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. I said, man, I changed my mind about this whole thing. But the Bible says here in verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Somebody say, but Noah. God will always find him somebody. I mean, he just, if it ain't but one, <laughs> he'll pick him. He said, I found one. I found one who will believe. I found one in the whole bunch who will believe. And I can work through that one. I can work through them. If they'll, if they'll believe in me, if they'll have a good heart, I'll work through them. I remember there's another part in the Bible where Elijah, Elijah was going through. He got discouraged and depressed. And he told God, he said, God, I'm the only one. Y'all remember that? He said, I'm the only one that's zealous. God said, no, you're not. I got 7,000. Who have not bowed their knee to Baal. God is trying to tell us something tonight. If he can find one that will enter into worship the way he desires, he can do miraculous things in your life. He can bring you up out of that that you want to come out of. He can bring you up out of that if you can begin to see him as he really is. Let's jump down to verse 11. This is bad. This is bad. Somebody say, this is bad. All this is bad. And the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. That's just, again, it's, to us, that's kind of hard to imagine. Because, you know, we, we hang around Christian folk, right? And we see the good in people, you know? But at this time, man, there was nothing good going on. Everything was evil. Verse 12. And the Lord looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupted, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. All flesh. God said to Noah, the earth, the, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So sin moves God to destroy man. It moves God to destroy man. Sin did. God didn't want to do it, but he had to do it. He was moved to do it because there was so much sin in the earth. Let's go to chapter 7, verse 4. For yet seven days, it's God talking, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the earth, from off the face of the earth. Forty days and forty nights. I can't, I can't imagine that. Forty days and forty nights. I can kind of relate to it in a way. Back in 2017, that was Harvey. Y'all remember Harvey? Man, I mean, it, 
it just wouldn't stop raining. I know it rained at least about three or four days in a row. You know what I mean? It was just constant rain. Constant rain. Well, Harvey was like a spring shower compared to this. This was, this was a deluge of just heavy downpours for 40 days and 40 nights. So I just want you to see what's going on. Let's look at verse 21 of that same chapter. After all this went down, the Bible says, And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both the fowl and of the cattle and of the beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. So the Bible says, All flesh died. Sin moved God in grief and anger to destroy his creation. And I want you to see something. I want you to see God while the, all this is going on. Can you see God's heart breaking? I can see his heart breaking. I, I can see him looking at what he had created in the Garden of Eden and him having to raise his hand against it. And I can just see his heart breaking because I know he has a heart of love and compassion. And you know, something about God I found out through study of the word, God has to, <clears throat> he has to make himself get mad. You know that? <laughs> I, I remember he was dealing with Moses at one time, and he was dealing with those rebellious children of Israel. Y'all know them? And uh, he was like, he told Moses, I'm going to kill all of them, and this is what you need to do for me. You need to get away from me so I can get mad. Y'all remember that? You remember that, Pastor Good Luck? He, he said, get away from me so I can stir myself up and get angry. He had to make himself get angry. And this here is, I can see his heart break. He's angry, but he's grieving at the same time. So all of this is going on. All of this is going on. And let's look at verse 24. We're kind of chronicling this. And the Bible says, and the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Five months of flood waters. Can you see that? Okay, good. Let's go to chapter 8. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark and God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged, or they subsided. Verse 2, the fountains also of the deep and the windows of the heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continuously, continually, and after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. Bible says, and then the ark rested in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. That's in Turkey, I believe. Now let's look at verse 13. So it's getting better. Somebody say it's getting better. Let's look at verse 13. And it came to pass... In the 600th and first year, 
in the first month, on the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed from the, the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. Somebody say, thank God. <laughs> so it, 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 it's over. It's, it, it's over. But God is not done. Let's look at verse 18. And Noah went forth, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. And every beast and every creeping thing that, and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. The Bible says in verse 20, And Noah, after everybody was out of the ark, he built an altar unto the Lord. And he took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered a burnt offering on that altar. So the Bible says Noah built an altar. Now, I kind of studied that out. And that's the first time, if I'm mistaken, Pastor Bill, you let me know. That's the first time in the Bible that it talks about an altar. I don't know how Noah knew about an altar. Maybe God gave him revelation concerning one. But he, the Bible says when he, the first thing that he did after the calamity of the flood, after all that death, was he brought, he brought and he built an altar to God. He began to prepare to worship God. Can you see that? Noah says, it's not just enough to thank God that the flood is over. But now it's time for me to get on my knees and worship God. Because what has happened is that because mankind had become so evil, mankind had forgotten about how awesome God was. And Noah wanted to let God know. That he had not forgotten how awesome God is and that God deserves worship at all times. So that's the first thing that he did. He said, man, I, 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 I'm not just going to thank God that this thing is over. I'm going to worship my creator. Because <laughs> my creator has power to give life and he has power to take life. He sets at the circumference of the universe, high and lifted up. And it is my honor and privilege to worship him. It's the first thing this man does after he comes out of there. He builds this altar. He says, I'm ready to worship God. Now, let's look at verse 21. Well, let's read verse 20 again because I want you to see this. Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and he took of every clean beast and every clean fowl, and he offered a what? A burnt offering 
on the altar. So he took those animals and he put them on fire and he burned them up. Smoke went up. Verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, after he has experienced this worship, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. He said, man is still evil. <laughs> he still, he still has, is not redeemed yet. But Noah, because you have offered this offering, I'm going to look past that. <laughs> I'm not going to ever visit man with this again. So God smells that offering and it, 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 it causes God to want to go deeper with Noah. Noah has triggered, listen to me now, Noah has triggered through that burnt offering the grace of God. Sin had triggered the anger of God. But this offering triggered the grace of God. Worship can trigger the grace of God. You need to see that connection. You need to see that when you go into your closet, and you ain't got to do it in front of nobody, just you and God. You begin to worship him. God pays attention to that. How many of y'all know God likes worship? And it triggered, in this instance, God's grace where there was no reason for the God's grace to be there. It was unmerited. But that, that, when God smelt that offering, it caused God to say, you know what? I'm not as angry as I was before. I want to do something good even though they don't deserve good. Does that make sense? And that's what, he, that's what he's about to do. He's about to give man what man does not deserve. God no longer speaks death over man, but now he's ready to speak life. Because the Bible says in verse 22, while the earth remained, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So God is about to now, he's ready to speak life. Let's go to chapter 9. After all this sin, after all this uh, degradation toward God, God is now about to, because of this worship that has gone on, because of this offering that Noah has released to God, it says here in verse nine, chap, uh, chapter 9, verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and what? Replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. So this is now triggered God wanting to do something for man that man does not deserve. It triggers God. To want to come into a covenant relationship with mankind. That worship brought that on. Worship opened the door for this. Let's look at verse 7. God's still talking. How many of y'all know when God talks, we need to listen? We need to pay strict attention to what he's saying. Because when he begins to talk covenant, 
it's going to require us to enter into covenant with him by faith if we're going to experience the benefits of the covenant. God can, God, can, God can enter into covenant with you, but if you don't pay strict attention to what he's saying and get revelation for what he's saying, you won't and I won't benefit from that covenant. So he says here in verse 7, and you be fruitful. So God wants us to be fruitful. Some denominations don't believe in fruitfulness. It's one of the things I learned when I joined this church from Pastor Goodluck. When I first started coming here, he would always, not always, but a lot of, a lot of sermons, he would end in fruitfulness and prosperity. I remember the first time he said that, I was like, wow, that's good. I like that. And I do that every Sunday in Calvary. Every Sunday in Calvary, I say, fruitfulness and prosperity, that's your portion. Well, well, he got that from God. God says, be fruitful. It's the will of God that we be fruitful in every area of our lives. That's part of our inheritance. Somebody say glory to God. Be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him. He's not just speaking to Noah, but he's speaking to Noah's sons. He wants them to experience generational grace also. Verse 9. And I, behold, I establish, this is Almighty God talking now, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. So Noah's worship has moved God to want covenant relationship with Noah. That is how powerful worship is. It causes the Almighty to want to go in the covenant relationship with Noah. Let's look at uh, verse 12. Let's go to verse 12. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for a perpetual, for perpetual generation. In other words, it's, it's going to begin with you, but it's not going to end with you. It's going to be a perpetual generation. It's going to go from generation to generation to generation. This is God's grace and manifestation again after worship has been provided. Verse 13, And I will set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. I'm getting ready to close because I have more to preach, but I I don't have enough time. But I wanted us to see the power of worship. The power of seeing ourselves in that throne room. 
And, and, and the thing about God is, it's for everybody. It's just not for the so-called super Christian. God wants all of his children to experience that, those throne room privileges of worshiping him. But the, but, the, but the way that we do it again is understanding that spiritually you can go there. And you will never be rejected. We got we to gotta go past our feelings. A lot of times we don't feel like praying. You know why? Because we're in the flesh. And, 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 and to overcome that, you got to see yourself in the spirit. You got to see yourself as relevant in the spirit. You got to see yourself that you have access on, at a moment's notice to the spirit realm and to the throne room of God. You got to see yourself there. And when you begin to see yourself in that throne room and you begin to release that worship that I'm talking about tonight, you will begin to experience what I like to call the lap of God. When, see, when I'm in the throne room, when I'm, when I'm really worshiping him, I begin to, I begin to become a child. <laughs> I begin to go to him. As my, as he, he's, my, he's the almighty God, but he's my father also. And I'll go to him and I'll lay my head in his lap. Hallelujah. And I begin to confess to him that without him, I'm nothing. I begin to let him know that he's the strength of my life. The power in every step I make, you give it to me, Father. I worship you. I begin to let him know that he is my God. There's no, no, nothing else can compare. Begin to see God the way David saw him. I believe it's in one of the Psalms. I believe it's in Psalm 27. David said, it's one thing that I desire, that will I seek after. And that is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, that was his portion. That was his passion. David was the king of Israel, had access to all the riches of Israel. Everything in Israel he had access to. He said, but there's one thing I desire, and that is the throne room worship of God. To dwell in the house of God. To see the beauty of the Lord. Hallelujah. And inquire within that tabernacle. Stand to your feet tonight. God, oh God, help us to see these things. God, some of us, Lord, we're dry. We're just dry because we've been through so much and so many things have been taken away. And we're just kind of tired, Lord. But God, oh God, help us, teach us about your presence and about your grace provided and about your throne room and about, God, your cup that we can drink from at any time, Lord. The table that we can come and eat from any time because of Jesus. Because he's been resurrected from the dead and he's seated at your right hand. And Father God, because of that, we're seated there with him in heavenly places. Give us revelation concerning our oneness with him.
Give us revelation tonight concerning the vine and the branches and our access to the vine's power. As you do so, Father, we'll give you glory and praise. As revelation is given to us, we'll give you all the glory, all the praise in your throne room. We'll worship you even the more. That's our portion. That's our inheritance. That's our privilege in Christ. To worship the living God throughout all of eternity, through the eons of eternity. That's our portion. We'll enter in, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Somebody say, glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you.